there was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is to get us back to that point. All right? Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What is that? That's what she said. When you think about running through the tee at Nayland Stadium for the first time this Saturday, does that give you a little bit of chicken skin? A chicken skin, you know. You know what I'm making reference to when I say chicken skin? You're a southern boy. I got no idea. Dobbs heaves it. They're bunched up in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunch time. Feeling a little under the weather. Playing hurt today, time. The other two guys in this studio are a okay, but they might make excuses anyway, time, because that's how they are, time. Tough, tough loss for Tennessee, time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24 7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on an early Thursday afternoon. I'm gonna drop this one to you either on a Thursday evening or a Friday morning, depending on how things go. You just never like to make decisions on that, do you? You never know how the day's going to play out, man. It's true. You never know. Sometimes you're like, yeah, we're going to need that Thursday night. Sometimes you're like, no, nah, that can wait till Friday morning. Wes, you always are playing hurt. There's always something wrong. I'm with you. Do are I you? do do I not? Are you acting like I don't know that? Are you saying Wes is Marcus Mariota? I I don't understand that joke. He's always hurt, playing hurt. That's what Titans fans seem to think. They're ready to bail on him now. Wow, the, the anti-Nashville hate started what is pretty it? early today. Yeah. No, quit trying to stir something up. What, what is it with, whoa, 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 with, whoa, 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 Tennessee football fans and quarterbacks? Yeah. They like to hate him, I think. How am I the one trying to stir stuff up when you're sitting there throwing out anti-Nashville jokes 10 seconds into the podcast? <laughs> I make an anti-Nashville joke. I asked what he meant because I didn't know. I don't follow the Titans. Yeah. Because I hate Nashville, Wes says to himself. <laughs> But but you do. Hate is a strong word. There's too much hate in this world. That's pretty. That's that's fair enough. That's fair. Enough. I, I I just think it's overrated. How does uh, this go as a segue? Speaking of things that people in this state hate, uh, Tennessee football over the weekend lost the first game into the Jeremy Pruitt era that it probably could have, should have won. Uh, Tennessee, y'all have been able to kind of pour over it by now. Tennessee. Got up early by a couple scores at South Carolina. Had a two-score lead in the third quarter, but kind of kind of fell behind late. Kind of started slipping up, and South Carolina came back to beat the Vols twenty-seven to twenty-four. So now Tennessee is in a position where it needs to win three of its final four games in order to get to a bowl game this season. Guys, what do you think the fallout from that game will be? Will that game ultimately cost this team a bowl game? I am afraid so. That that is my guess too, because, um, I mean I don't I don't think either of the final three teams I don't even think Kentucky is what I think they're number nine in the college playoff committee rankings I don't think they're the ninth best team in the country I don't even think they're like I don't even know that they're th- better than third in the East There's something to be said about the power of winning 
Like all you all you can do is play the people in front of you, and Tennessee, uh, Kentucky keeps beating most of those people. And well, K- Kentucky believes now too. They they pulled out a game last week that. They think they can beat Georgia. They think they can beat anybody the way their season's gone. So well, they also got the benefit of a horrendous pass they did. call, but, which is worse than any call that was missed or made in the Tennessee-South Carolina game. It has sure. to be said. Sure. Um, and, that, and that call directly influenced uh, the outcome of that game. Not to mention, and, and, you know, Kentucky went, you know, they scored the touchdown and all that, all that stuff. But they also were given a gift because Barry Odom decided to throw a pass on third and two with 90 seconds left. And so Kentucky got sacked down there at the end and – Lo and behold, they had a timeout left that they should not left because Barry Oda threw a pass and it went incomplete. So, hashtag Dooley. Yeah, that's uh, but but like that's I mean, a gut punch for Missouri man to to have that game won the way they did and ha- make that last play there. It's time expires and then they say, oh no, wait, hold on, that was DPI, even though it was either OPI or no PI and it was no PI. You know, there was a little bit of hand fighting both ways. He caught the ball three yeah. yards out of Not entirely positive, unless he stretched Armstrong or Inspector Gadget, if he could have uh, gotten that ball, corralled it, and gotten one foot inbounds. But, you know, you can't really go review that kind of play. It is what it is. They made the call. It's funny, though, that officials and fans sometimes say, well, you got to let, let the players decide those kinds of games. Then uh, the officials are like, nope. Nope, nope, not going to let the officials decide this football game. So... Uh, maybe that but, one came in from the Buffalo Wild Wings SEC office in Birmingham saying, Kentucky Georgia next week, Kentucky Georgia next week. Uh, that's a nice conspiracy theory. But it goes to the point, though, I mean, Kentucky in their last three games, I think, have scored 15, 14, and 15 points. Um, and it's not like they've gone against a murderer's row of, def- uh, of defenses there. Texas A&M's defense is pretty good. but um, And, of course, Tennessee fans will say, did you see what South Carolina did to us on the ground? What was What is Benny Snell going to do? But that's all Kentucky can do. They can't throw the ball. They don't have two NFL wide receivers out on the perimeter like South Carolina did. They, that's true. Kentucky's been uh, kind of yo-yoing quarterbacks back and forth, at least they did on Saturday. Their, their defense um, is really, really their, good. Their though. defense is really good, but you know that you're going to be in a close game because that's just how it is. Missouri's played close games all season, lost South Carolina by two, lost to Missouri by one. We'll see what they do. Uh, against Florida on Saturday. I thought, I thought you were saying this did in Tennessee's bowl hopes. You're making it sound like you think Tennessee can beat Kentucky. Uh, they could. I think they could win all three of these games. I think they could lose all three of these games. Um, I, I think four and eight and six and six. Or well, hold on. Sure. I guess I. I guess I'm keeping seven and five. Seven and five on the table. I mean, four and eight and seven and five. It could go either way. Just because I don't. Ten, I don't think Tennessee's great, but I don't think either of these three teams. Maybe beyond Kentucky. Kentucky's pretty good. That's a bad matchup for Tennessee, I should say. I don't think they'll win that game. but Yeah, I don't um, know that Tennessee can just consistently stop but, the, the run like when Kentucky – especially if they play the guy who can run a little bit at quarterback too. That really kind of complicates things. Yeah, for but, I mean, he's been running against all season. And they haven't really done much. They're horrifically one-dimensional on offense. So, But as, as Jeremy pointed out on, uh, on vol calls this week, you know, they're, they've not been stopping the run very well. There's not a whole lot they're doing all that well on, on defense right now. And a few weeks ago you probably would have felt okay about their defense, but – I think the loss of Kongbo did hurt Tennessee more than people expected. Their pass rush seems to be pretty diminished the last couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, I mean, he's a starter for a reason. Yeah, he was, he but, was at least getting hurries. But, uh, no, I think the reason that South Carolina really – that loss really hurt Tennessee's bowl chances is you beat Charlotte, you probably lose to Kentucky because that's a bad matchup. Kentucky's defense is really good. Um, against, you know, Josh Allen against this offensive line. Woof. Buzz. Your girlfriend, yeah. yeah. Um, that one's not. So gonna, even that one's not going to. Even so if well. you split the first two games in November, had you beaten South Carolina, you still would need one in your last two. Or now, if if it goes to 
how we think it'll go. You need to win both. You need to be both Missouri and Vanderbilt. Could happen. Could not happen. Yeah. So, I I don't know. I lean towards thinking Tennessee only gets one of its last three SEC games, with Vanderbilt probably being the best shot. And and, and the reason the South Carolina game we look at it as it's going to cost them is because the game was very much there for the taking, and Tennessee just yeah. stepped on its toe. It, the, and you also wonder Tripped. how you wonder too how Tennessee will respond to this. So far, they've responded. They've answered the bell every time. I mean, I think they're going to get a win against. Charlotte. I'm not worried about that really. So I don't I don't think that'll be an issue. But you do you do wonder do we see a do we see a flat performance finally from them against Charlotte or do they do they come out and take care of business well, and, and, and bounce back just fine? If this team goes out there and gives a really flat performance, this team is in danger of having a game or losing a game to almost anyone. And, you know, it, it's – I'm not saying that this team is, is I terrible I don't because think Charlotte it's not. is anyone. I, I don't necessarily think Charlotte's a great football team. But I think if Tennessee goes out there and has a bunch of silly penalties and, you know, a couple of the best players who are maybe hurt, who we'll mention a little bit later, might not be able to do so much this weekend. Let's say the defense just busts once or twice and gives up a couple of big plays – doesn't take much to make it a ball game and that's where this team has to keep focus right now because our job right here is to sit here and talk about bowl games potentially or the these final three games of the season potentially that's what our job is their job is to go out there and play charlotte so the jobs are two completely different things but these guys got to go out there they're not good enough to go just roll the ball out there and, and expect to beat a team they need to go out there and give it a good effort and i think they will but they have to be on guard against doing that. Yeah. Well, and, and just looking at the schedule down the stretch, I mean, we'll have plenty of time to break these games down week by week, um, and, and our thoughts might change after each game. But, you know, Patrick, you mentioned Tennessee could lose all three of these remaining SEC games. I think, I think Vanderbilt, because of the reason you mentioned, you know, Kentucky being kind of one-dimensional offensively, Vanderbilt is not one-dimensional. They've got a, a pretty talented quarterback and or dangerous running back now in Keyshawn Vaughn. That's – that might be tougher to slow down than Tennessee fans. Yeah, and might a quarterback be who's not good against – if you can put pressure on him, yeah, he is such a statue that it becomes hard for him. But, but that's not. But that's team. not Tennessee's strength at yeah. all. So, I, so yeah, I, I think Tennessee gets at least one of these last three games. I just don't know that they can for sure get two of these last three SEC games, and that's that's why we lean toward this South Carolina loss probably costing them a bowl game. But, you know, we'll see. Again, these all three might be pretty close games. Yeah, I think before we get back into the the future, we'll give just a cursory glance backward at that game. And I I think it's easy in hindsight to make a lot of secondhand decisions. I mean, you can sit here and go, oh, I would have done this, I would have done that. But this is really the first time that you can directly point to question marks made from the sideline that had a direct impact on a win turning into a loss. And and there's no other – really polite way to put that. I mean, you know, if you're a coach, you got to make some tough calls. They tried to make some tough calls. A couple of them uh, did not seem to work in hindsight. And the sad thing is about that game, Tennessee spent about 45 minutes doing almost every single thing it could to win that football game. Had a really good game plan on both sides of the ball. Executed really Just well. execute, except for the third down turnovers. Mm-hmm. And they made up for them by making plays on third and long. They just, they made Third down turnovers. Plays. They, they just. Do you mean penalties? Uh, yeah, third down penalties, I mean. They, they did so many things that you need to do as an underdog on the road to win in this league. And then just the first, the last, I don't know, 15, 14 minutes of the game, just one mistake after another. Really, really costly. Really, really costly stuff down the stretch there. Well, this is the first game I feel like – I feel like for most of the season it's been, ah, the offensive staff's not getting the job done. What are they thinking? 
hey, with the defensive staff, they've got a good plan. They've they've been they got their guys in the right spots. It was kind of flipped this game because I thought this was the best game that Tyson Heldon and his staff have had all season. On I the balance of play for sixty minutes, yeah, yeah. He, you know, when you're not generating a bunch of big plays like Tennessee wasn't. I mean, their longest play of their night was twenty yards. Uh, yeah, twenty yards. And so, I mean, the, pr- the previous two games they had been pretty good at. at Push the ball down the field through the air, but I think South Carolina said we're not. You're not going to do that. We're going to make you drive down the field, and and that was good on South Carolina because Tennessee did have to drive down the field. They had a bunch of long drives, some time-consuming drives, uh, and you and when you make an offense that's had its up and downs have to execute consistently for nine to ten plays, that I think that increases your chances of um, of getting off the field and getting stops. Now Tennessee was excellent on third down. Um, and we saw a lot of things that during the course of the game, I think Tennessee did a good job of keeping South Carolina off balance. A lot of swing passes, stuff to the perimeter that opened up the middle for you know some of the running lanes. Uh, we saw some wrinkles with some of the Carlin Fields and me stuff. We saw drag route after drag route, crossing routes, uh, a lot of stuff against zone. Which you have to protect well enough to get the ball. To have yeah, time a for lot, those. lot of a lot of sort of mesh zone you know routes that that you know are designed to. You got multiple guys coming one side, one guy coming the other way, and you the one guy coming the other way was usually Marcus Marquez Callaway, and he was open. I think he he had nine catches. I think seven were on third down. So he was he and Garantano were really really good on third or on third down. But uh, I I don't I'm I'm not as second guessy as some people are. I mean I, I get why Tennessee didn't push the envelope at the end of the first half. I get why they they didn't try a fifty something yard field goal. I I do too, but I. With the field position, I, I think it's easy to second guess. It is, it is in, in hindsight because you lost. I just, in, th- in, in fairness, though, I did say at the time I would have kicked yeah. the ball there. Yeah, but that 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 end of the stadium is windier. No, no one. It pro- was windy. There's no question about that. I had a problem with the end of the half only because you were already at the 37 yard line. If they were at the 27, I would have had no problem taking the knee there. But they had just gotten a first down, and you're 25 yards from having at least a shot at a at a prayer of a field goal. Going so. into the wind. Yeah, going into the wind. I I with one timeout left. Yeah. It, it wasn't likely, but just the way – And the defense that, as we mentioned, was, was taking away the deep stuff. Yeah. It was not letting and them throw it, it deep. It just seems like that's so anathema to everything that Jeremy Pruitt has done so far, though. It seems like that's just completely yeah. flies in it's the face of his general philosophy yeah. because he's been a foot-on-the-gas kind of guy. And that was an interesting moment where I guess he tried some uh, strategery there. And, um, I mean, you know, it, I, it, it, there's no assumption that they would have scored. I agree. Everyone assumes yeah. that they would have like, oh, they oh, would have no. easily gotten a field goal. No, when for sure not. The reality I'm is, I'm not assuming that. Then re- when they're, I'm not saying you were. I'm just saying that a lot of people say, well, why didn't we get, you know, why were we more aggressive? Because you're assuming that you would have scored, uh, and that that's that's a large jump on the jump to conclusions, Matt. Shout yeah. out to Office Space. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty pretty big jump. My, my but but Tennessee came out in the second half and had a great drive to open the third did. quarter. And it was twenty one nine. I don't think the offense was the reason Tennessee lost the game. Tennessee could not get a stop defensively. They had no answers. Uh, South Carolina wasn't even really doing anything. They just run the ball. <laughs> it's not like they were doing a bunch of trick plays or the, the formation bunch of gadget plays. The formation and, stuff and, really bothered them. And, and and the sniffer. And we kept and we kept pointing out, or I don't know about y'all, but I kept saying, "Hey, South Carolina's coming off an open date. We've seen the power of the open date. We saw what it did for Tennessee. It gave South Carolina staff some time to self scout, review what they've been." doing poorly on offense and, and come up with some new things that Tennessee hadn't seen. And, and Pruitt said that they were caught off off balance by some of that stuff. But then at the same time, you know, Tennessee had guys in position to make plays and had, you know, it was a bad night for the linebackers, bad night for the secondary, a lot of bad angles, missed tackles. Uh, and, and you let a team that was, I think, 12th in the SEC in rushing mm-hmm. run up and down the field on you. And, and yeah, 
that's the thing that I, I don't know how much we've discussed it, but South Carolina, they went to the tempo late in the first half, had that scoring drive right before Tennessee, you know, took it into the locker room. And, you know, that score, I think, gave them the idea, okay, let's try this again in the second half and see if it works. And the, the tempo kept working. And what they, what they did, they'd keep the same personnel out there, two tight ends a lot of times, and they would just, you know, change the formation but keep the personnel. So Tennessee's players, I think, a lot a lot of times on defense were sort of having to diagnose what they were doing a little bit more at the line of scrimmage instead of just being able to go out there and, and play because South Carolina hurried it up and gave them different looks without changing it, offensive personnel. So it was a good plan. It's just maybe a little surprising that Tennessee had so much trouble adjusting to that or or South Carolina just found so many working combinations or whatever it was. And it's easy to use tempo when you're getting seven yards of first yeah. down. I mean, that, that, that obviously is, is when tempo can be uh, – that's that's the good side of tempo. The bad side of tempo is if you're in second nine, third and eight, and you go three and out a lot, and you don't burn a lot of time off the clock, you're going to wear your defense out. Um, but if you're picking up little chunks of yards, five yards at a time, you know, it's easier to go tempo and stay ahead of the schedule and stay ahead of the chains and – and and if a play works, we're gonna get up there and run it again in ten seconds, and uh, you know make them you know kind of run it till till the other team stops it. But uh, I I think the game plan defensively was really good in a lot of games this season. Um, Georgia particularly, uh, I thought it was good at Auburn at well uh, Auburn as well. Uh, this game it didn't look like they just the Tennessee's defensive staff looked like they didn't have any any answers to to counter what South Carolina was doing. I mean you you give up just two punts for the whole game. Uh, and, and that's going to be tough for you to win. And, and when you do that and your offense only has two punts, it's going to come down to one or two possessions, and it came down to the, the two possessions at the end where Tennessee stalled on fourth down just past midfield. Yeah, I thought neither side of the ball – I mean, both sides of the ball had, had plenty of mistakes in that game. I, I, I do think that it's fair to say that, yes, the defense did not play well, but sometimes the offense has to carry a team and sometimes the defense has to carry a team. And that was a night where the offense was pretty clearly going to have to, going to, have to carry the team, and, and it wasn't, wasn't able to do that. And, and I think that that's why you say it's a team loss, because even when one side of the ball plays better than the other side, you can't really finger point sometimes because both sides of the ball did things that directly led well, to yeah. the outcome. So I'm that, saying it's just on, on, on the defense, but I think the offense played well enough to win this game. Yeah, here's a, here's a question. Why are people so convinced that just putting – Keller Kristen at quarterback would fix things. How many times throughout history have did, we have, did, have did we you had see? To... Did you see the passes he threw against Alabama? Yeah, there were like nine passes he completed five of them. I mean, I'm not knocking Keller Chris at all. I'm just saying, why do people always assume that the quarterback who's not playing is better than the quarterback who is playing? Why? It was those. How two... many times do we have to see this happen before we go, guys? It's, you just maybe the coach knows who he's playing for a reason. Well, for starters, Jarrett Garantano is still for whatever reason a a polarizing figure to some degree. I think there was well, and Josh Dobbs was until his last yeah. year, which was kind of telling. Yeah, there there are a lot of people who are convinced and have been for a while that he's Tennessee's best quarterback, and there are some who are who have either become convinced or still are from last year that you know he just doesn't read defense as well, or he just doesn't make decisions quickly enough, holds the ball too long, all that, and that he misses some open receivers. And they saw Keller Chris come in and lead back to back scoring drives against Alabama, even though Jeremy Pruitt's already said. You know, hey, there were some offensive wrinkles that we sort of threw at Alabama there and caused them some problems. And then they adjusted, and then what do you know? Tennessee didn't score again the rest of that game. Um, so I, I think there's enough evidence there for both sides to to have their points, and I understand why some people might think, hey, it's worth giving Keller Chris a shot. But 
Saturday. That's not why Tennessee lost that game. Their offense, like Patrick said, did enough to win the game. They came up empty on two fourth-quarter drives, but both of them crossed midfield. It's not like they weren't moving the ball. They just failed to execute on third downs and things like that. And Mark Marquez Callaway drops a ball that would have put them in field goal range. Uh, they, they probably would have gone for it anyway, but lots of things went wrong on those two drives, just little things that cost them the game, and that wasn't Jared Garantano's fault, I didn't think. Yeah, he, he, he did miss some throws, and Jeremy Pruitt's pointed out he's thrown out that you know they ran, what, 73 offensive plays, and he thought 65 of them, but Garantano was pretty good. I think I saw um, one of, he was one of seven or one of eight maybe on passes more than 10 yards downfield, so he, he did have some misfires. Well, the, the, but. the biggest misfires to me were, I think, two or three out routes where South Carolina was playing soft, Palmer runs eight yards, runs it out, and Garantano was just airmail on the ball. I don't, I don't. That was really odd. And then there were maybe two or three other other passes where he didn't give his guy a chance. That's where you wonder if the sore ribs or whatever yeah, was causing was, throws to sail. There or. was one throw. I don't know if it was a rollout or if he was flush, but he, he threw the ball downfield, and, and and Josh Palmer's got his guy boxed out, but can't come down with the catch. That would have been about a forty yard gain. Um, that wasn't on Garantano. He gave his guy a chance, and uh, former Tennessee commit J.C. Horn was able to outmuscle Palmer, knock the ball away. And then, yeah, he's a good little player. And then there was another play that was a really good design where they took a deep shot too. And I think I think on that one, I think it was in the first half. I think Garantano was late. Uh, he had Palmer going on a deep cross, uh, and it hit the. I think it hit the South Carolina defender in the back. But if it's a if it's a half, second earlier, uh, it's probably a completion. But I mean, the South Carolina guy didn't even know where the ball was. In soccer, they would say he didn't know much about it. Yeah, that's uh, exactly and, what they would and say. And just those little plays like that, but you 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 can you flip that with uh, the guy to you know continues to stand in the pocket and deliver the ball when he's getting hit, even though that he's got to be hurt at this point, and he has been hurt for weeks. Uh, and he's I think eight to ten on third down for seven first downs. Yep. I mean Tennessee had what I think eleven third down conversions in the game. If you throw in the two sneaks that he had and the scramble, he accounted for ten of them. He's <laughs> He's been I don't, really I don't, good on third downs all year, really. And and the thing to me is, if you just look at the numbers, he's vastly improved from last year. Right now, he's fourth in the SEC. Oh, in every way. He, he's taking care of the ball for the most he, part. He's fourth yeah. in the SEC in passer rating right now. I mean, he's ahead of guys like Franks and Drew. Everybody talks about the job that Dan Mullen's done with Felipe Franks. Well, Garantano's got a higher QBR than him. On the list of Drew Locke, Shermer, Kellen Mond, all those guys. Yep. Bentley Stidham, he's ahead of all those guys. Uh, and his passer rating's up some 33 points from last year. So. On, on the list of reasons Tennessee has three wins instead of four or five, Jarrett Garantano is not, not in the top yeah. ten, I would say. Yeah, and, 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 you know, if they could put him behind an, a competent offensive line that wasn't, you know, struggling as much as Tennessee's does, how would he look? Put him behind, you know, put him behind Georgia's offensive line. Put him in Alabama's offense. Great. I don't think he'd be putting up two in numbers, but uh, I think he'd be – they wouldn't be complaining about him as much as Tennessee fans seem to be complaining about Garantano. I think that that is a big part of it. I, I think there are – and I think some of the things that, that Pruitt has said indicate that it's not those missed throws necessarily that bother him as much at times as clearly he's mentioned this several times, you know, some of the checks Garantano was making at the line of scrimmage. Now, that's something that you know, maybe the more experience he gets, the less that will happen. But getting the team into the right play, getting the right check – you know, that's why Jeremy Pruitt said, listen, if you're a quarterback, you absolutely can't affect the team's rushing performance by making the correct checks when you see things at the line of scrimmage. Now, against South Carolina, maybe they did some different things on defense because they had an, a bye week. Maybe they threw out a couple of different things that, you know, Tennessee wasn't expecting. I know what they were doing there uh, with a couple of things on offense was bothering Tennessee. So I imagine some things, some things on defense were too. And that's what, team, that's what defenses do now. Well, Muschamp's 
before he became a head coach, was one of the best defensive coordinators in college football. He can disguise things. He can bring heat. He can back off and drop eight and give you a hard time. He can he can change it up, and he can give you he can give you a tough time there. Yeah, and, and we've talked about this before, just kind of how much the staff was surprised about how much Garantano didn't really know about just sort of reading Correct. and understanding the game and, and, and understanding defenses. And uh, shout out to the previous staff for that. Uh, so tip of the I, cap. I mean, I mean you, you think about it. I don't want to say this is like some sort of year zero situation, but he he's still pretty inexperienced. This is his first year as a full starter. He obviously take you know taking over last season was not in the best of circumstances. I think it's safe to say, uh, given the turmoil in the program and the coaching staff and, and the offensive line and all of those factors, plus the fact that for two you know his final two starts against LSU and Vanderbilt, he was you know had a bum ankle. He's pretty much playing on one leg, just about. Um, so Dude's this tough. is sort of his. This is sort of like his first year, kind of. Yeah. Um, if he's having the same issues early next season about reading defenses and checking plays and all that kind of stuff, then I think some of the criticism will be more warranted. Then I don't. I don't. I don't know that it is right now. And and, and Prude has said this week that you know they put a lot on Garantano in terms of getting them in the right play and, and checking plays. And we see Garantano do a lot of stuff pre-snap, hand motions and hand signals. Wes thinks he's got one figured out. When he, when he puts yeah. his hand behind his back, but uh, West doesn't yeah, have like that figured out. 95% of the time they've done that this year, they've had a, go, a run go Hashtag right up West the gut. New. I, um, but and, and when they it, shake the tail feathers, it's going up Main Street. It, it's funny, <laughs> It's funny, and I, sh- I texted this to you guys the other night. Um, Butch Jones' line about playing quarterback at Tennessee was always like, ah, oh, it's a global position. Yeah. It's a global position, which always, we always like to make fun of that because it's, it, it's stupid. It's, it's false. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And and Pruitt the other night on 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 vol calls is like when you play when you come when you play quarterback Tennessee you're gonna play quarterback you're gonna you're gonna have to do all the pre pre snap audibling and checking and you're gonna have to make sure that we're in the right play because um, we can't do a lot of that check with me sideline stuff which you see a lot of teams do and which Tennessee did a lot under the previous staff because when you do that when you get to the line you check you see the defense you see the look they're giving you make your base call off that well good defensive coordinators and there's a lot of them in this league. Are going to change up what they're going to do. They're going to they're going to ha- they're going to change their calls up to counter what you just changed. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's where the quarterback has to be able to get to the line, diagnose the situation, and and get the offense in the best situation. And Garantano is having to to learn that on the fly and, and make progress with that in a new offense while he's really really sore. Another <laughs> another. It's just that's just the reality of the situation. Yeah, and another variable in that I thought was interesting. Jeremy Pruitt this week as he discussed the reason for Tennessee's penalties. And one of the things he mentioned is they've got to get to the line of scrimmage faster and let the offensive line sort of make calls, make More adjustments. Huddles. Yeah, uh, huddle closer to the line. He said he mentioned there were a few times a game they're huddling eight or ten yards from the line instead of three or four, and that's that's interesting. He also said you know sometimes they got to get play calls in faster, and and all those things might lead to Jarrett Garantano and the offensive line making some mistakes in those situations. So. I, I definitely think there's enough blame to go around that you don't just point at the quarterback, but what happens? The quarterback gets the blame, and yeah. that, that's it. So Praise and blame, it's all the same. That's right. So, <laughs> so, I, so I get it, but you know, I, I think he's, again, he's, he's taken some big steps this year. I don't think he's one of the, even close to one of the top reasons Tennessee lost to South Carolina. I don't think he's one of the main reasons they've lost uh, a, a couple of other games this year. Even the Florida game where he had some turnovers, those weren't on him. They were, they were getting – the pass rush was effective, and – he got hit before he could throw and all that uh, multiple times. So I think he's he's done his part for the most part, and uh, Tennessee's got to help give him some help and continue to play the way it did Saturday for most of that game. I think it's fair to say for a lot of people the jury was out on the offensive staff going into the open date. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they, you know, we saw more 
hey, this is what they should be doing against Auburn. You didn't see it as much against Alabama, but I thought this, this the game The first plan, drive of the third quarter was the best drive Tennessee's had in a long time. And, it was and, beautiful. And, and they were about to win a game with Marcus Tatum and Nathan Niehaus in the starting lineup. I mean, they should have given – if they had pulled that off, they should just give Jeremy Pruitt the coach of the year trophy right And not only that, SEC. but I mean, Jeremy Pruitt said it was the best overall game the offensive line's had all year without Trey Smith. And because they were able to do that, that's uh, that's coaching right there. I yep. mean, you're starting – you're an SEC offensive line. Your friend's a good O-line coach. If you're, you're an SEC offensive line and you've got three guys that are under 300 pounds. You know who else has – you, you know who and, else? And you're not really a spread them out and go offense. You no. want to be a wham offense. I think they're having to do more spread stuff I just because of what I their agree. personnel is. And, and I think we saw we saw a lot of it, frankly, the other night. Um, but, I mean – you know who else has three, you know, three sub three hundred pound guys on this offensive line? Huh. Charlotte. Well, I was going to say one more thing about <laughs> I mean, the quarterbacks. That's just, that's just how. I mean, that's that's what Tennessee's dealing with on the on this. There's on more the NFL offense. There's more NFL offensive line now who don't weigh three hundred pounds. It's becoming a little bit more common than it used to be. But the, um, you it, know, it, it, yeah. I mean, the one thing I will say before we move on about the quarterbacks is, does it mean anything at all that J.T. Shroud, not Will McBride or anybody else, was the third quarterback? Wild thing. In that game, uh, I'm I'm honestly surprised it didn't happen sooner. We've seen McBride struggle in practice. Some I just don't think he's the guy. He's he, I just don't think he's a fit for this offense. I I will. I mean, we don't like to speculate on on moves, and I certainly wouldn't su- suggest anything is done by any means. But I, if if, if you're McBride's look, here next year, I think we'll be surprised. I was gonna say if he's if he is if he sticks around this year, Wes will be sad. Either really football man. Either something is dramatic. Go, go somewhere and, and hang, let, go somewhere. Let it hang out. Check it fifty times a game. Make some plays. Yeah, you just, football. You just wonder if he sees as much of a fit now. Jeremy Pruitt's explanation for that was they're given they're basically dividing up the season. You know, half the season for the number three, and then yeah, half the but, season as a scout team guy. Yeah, but I'm not sure I'm buying they, that. But the, the tell the telling sign to me was that they took South Carolina, and they only traveled three quarterbacks. And right. that, that means you know with with one quarterback hurt. Well, and, and mm-hmm. that's 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 the thing. That's the point I was going to make is that Tennessee can't just be like, ah, it doesn't matter who our third-string quarterback is because, I mean. That's the game the third-team quarterback mattered most. And Because, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, your, your starting quarterback's been knocked out of two games this year. He's already hurt. He's one hit, you know, one more big hit away. And, is give, you know, given how many times they let free blitzers go and just run and hit him, you know, without even getting in his way, that's that's a fine line. And then as much as you can't protect, yeah, Chris is six five two forty, but you know, you one wrong hit and you're down to your third string guy. I mean, we've seen it happen in Tennessee quite a bit uh, recently, where they've had to play or start three different quarterbacks in a year. So, I don't, I don't think that that was Pruitt kind of downplayed it on Wednesday, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's as not big a deal as he thinks it, what, as he wants to kind of yeah, portray it as. Agreed. And one other thought, not to jump back to to the previous discussion we had on the offense but are you going to say that that Trout's going to start next year no, no 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 not at all you but get people fired up yeah um but I do wonder you know we've talked about the offensive staff maybe not being as highly thought of going into the open date as they are now um I mean obviously what what has the offensive improvement and those tweaks what have they coincided with Jeremy Pruitt being more involved on offense so it makes you wonder now we don't know we don't know the breakdown. We don't know the chemistry of exactly what's going into the offensive game planning now. You know, is this still mostly Ty- Tyson Helton's offense? Is Will Friend heavily involved? Is Jeremy Pruitt heavily involved? It's it's an interesting question to ask now that they have made some midseason adjustments and now that we've seen Tyson Helton move down to the field, all those things. Just just how is this being decided and what does that mean for Tennessee going forward? But they've obviously found some things that work. 
Yeah, a couple more things before we start to to get out of here. One, do, does anybody know anything about Charlotte? I ask this because I just I just did a whole big mashup feature. I can tell you just about anything you see, need. Wes that, didn't read it. That's called putting it on a tee for you. Wes has been sitting in bed all day <laughs> because Wes is sick as flip right now. But if um, we normally do a better no way foe feature every week on the website where we we kind of it's anywhere between twenty five and thirty questions with someone who covers the other team. It's pretty expansive, but it's also fun and ridiculous. And uh, bottom line, we didn't really find a lot of potential people there for Charlotte that cover the program every day. So uh, we don't really want to go the route of talking to a school's SID or like a radio crew or anything school like paper. that. Yeah, because that's not – you never know what you're going to get. But uh, in your in your uh, journalistic travels throughout the Internet, Patrick, what can you tell us about the Charlotte 49ers? Um, well, they were they won one game last season. Yeah. Uh, and they've won four this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they beat Western Kentucky. They beat Southern Miss. They were two typically pretty decent Conference USA programs. Now, Western Kentucky's in shambles right now. They're, they're like one and seven. Yeah, they're, they're not very good. They're struggling. Um, and then in Charlotte's other wins were Fordham, which is an FCS team, and Old Dominion, which they beat Old Dominion the week before Old Dominion turned around and beat Virginia Tech. Who Transitive had, property. Well, we've, we've, I think we found out that Virginia Tech's kind of a fraud. I mean, yeah. your beloved Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets just ran up and down the field on them. I think boringly the ran up and down the field. Never count on them. out the heart of uh, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. I think Jackets. a couple games that give you a frame of reference for Charlotte and how good they actually might be. They lost to Appalachian State 45 to 9, the second game of the season. Uh, and they also lost to UAB 28 7, a program that just restarted. Well, UAB's pretty good. Yeah, UAB might win the win CUSA. Um, yeah. The things you need to do about Charlotte are uh, they're sixth nationally in run defense, I think they're giving up about 90 yards a game. Um, mm-hmm. I think nobody's rushed for more than 142 yards on them. Mm. If you're Tennessee, you ought to be able to push around that group. They're not terribly big, you know. They're not, they're not terribly big up front. They don't have maybe they got a lot of heart. You, you know, like six years ago when Tennessee played Buffalo and they had Cleo Mack. Yep. Yeah. They don't have a guy like that. They don't have a guy that's like you know necessarily it's a future. Uh, or Utah, Utah they, State with that edge rusher who yeah, would be a first-round uh, pick. I think, I think the Utah State de- defense might have had two or three guys that might be in the NFL yeah. right now. That was a good that was a good little team. Really good linebackers. Um, I, don't, I don't know that they have anybody like that. They're really good against the run. I think they're plus three in turnover margin. Uh, they've got the guy that has the most interceptions in uh, college football. He's a linebacker. His name is Juwan Foggy, I think. Converted wide receiver, which mm, that's how he's, he's got six picks and two – uh, pick sixes on the season. Uh, offensively, Charlotte has a lot of experience on the offensive line. Two bowling ball running backs. Uh, I think LeMay is their one guy. is like 5'9", which might be generous based on the pictures I saw of him, uh, and about 218. That is a rotund bowling <laughs> ball. He is um, – I'm about to go soccer here. Uh, Zerdan Shakiri, right, for yeah. Liverpool? He's like perfectly square. Yeah, he's square. Benny LeMay for Charlotte might be perfectly round. Uh, yeah. And then his backup is uh, Aaron McAllister. He's about 5'10", 226, I think is what he list, he's listed at. So, uh, LeMay is like third in, in conference USA in rushing. Uh, now, what's interesting is Charlotte had a quarterback, had a redshirt freshman that beat out a returning starter and a grad transfer, but he got hurt. So, the past three games they've had to play uh, Evan Sheriffs. Uh, Ryan, you claim, well, to was, kn- claim to know this guy. I, I think was familiar you're, with the name. I, I think you're talking out of your behind. That was um, just the name. He is a grad transfer from Miami, um, and he spent three years with the Hurricanes. He lost the starting job down there to Millie Cruzier going into last season. I think he only played three games in three years. Uh, he didn't even win the Charlotte job, but th- he's who they've turned to now. Uh, their backup, uh, 
their start of the past two years is Hassan Klug, I think is how you say his name. Um, he's a runner. I think they'll probably bring him in for some running situations. He had a, run, a rushing touchdown last week against Southern Miss. Um, I think he had almost 1,000 yards and almost 20 touchdowns rushing the past two years, but they changed. After Charlotte won one game, they, they pretty much overhauled the entire staff, new coordinators. Uh, they brought in the guy that coached Ben Roethlisberger at Miami of Ohio. There's a little trivia for you. There you go. Shane Montgomery. Um, Jeremy Pruitt has talked about how this staff, how veteran it is. brought in uh, Glenn Spencer as the defensive coordinator. He mm-hmm. was at Oklahoma State. And so uh, this was a team that had a lot no, of – Known defensive prowess there for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Oh, he's done a good job at Charlotte. They're sixth in the, in the league in rushing. As Jer- good uh, sixth on in the nation is rushing. And, and as Jeremy Pruitt pointed out, hey, they have better stats than we do. I was <laughs> never that, situation. That, they won more games and got better stats they than we They got better do. record than we did. Yeah. If you're just looking at the numbers, yeah, it can be – Interesting. Now, I, now, obviously, it's you know level of competition, and they've not played. I don't, I don't think they played a Power Five team this year. Uh, this is only going to be their second game ever against an SEC team. This is only their sixth year playing football. So, um, this is you know this is a program with a lot of veterans and terrible uniforms. Um, don't think I've even seen them. Um, a lot of veterans, but this is going to be sort of a new situation for them. Uh, I think they're a good story. I don't think they're. I don't, I don't think they're not UTEP bad, but I also don't think they're like Southern Miss or App State good either. So. Yeah. Uh, I, Tennessee shouldn't struggle with this team if it if it's so they, focused and, they and beat handles this business. They beat Southern Miss. Southern Miss isn't. Yeah, I mean, and and I think they had more rushing yards against Southern Miss than Auburn did. Yeah. So um, I, I will say this about their. If offense. you want to go into transitive property, moving yeah. in. Charlotte is kind of like Tennessee when you look at the stats. Some of them are similar, except for Charlotte's defense being pretty highly ranked nationally, but they they don't have a very high powered offense. Yeah. Um, and actually breaking it down, they have three games with where they've had fewer than three hundred yards of total offense that's not very they're good. not good on special teams either so if this was a week for tennessee to break something in the return game this would be the team to do it against because charlotte yeah. i think is pretty bad in, in the special teams other than their kicker who's really good he's a freshman uh, but overall you know this program it's been a good story because you would think charlotte there's a lot of a lot of decent recruits now. there's a lot of schools yep. in that in that state too um but you and know right down to south carolina in the too. north and then you know you're not that far from north carolina virginia georgia south carolina so if you you know if you pick off what's left after a lot of the ACC and SEC schools there, there you can find some talented players. Oh, yeah. You can find some guys. And so uh, this is still a program that's still kind of building. They've only had one coach. Um, but they've gotten a lot of their veteran players have, have developed from last year, and they've had a few newcomers. Their top receivers are, I think, a redshirt freshman. He might not play because he's hurt. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think – Tennessee shouldn't lose this game. I don't think they should ever be in a situation where this game might be in doubt. But if they struggle, Charlotte can hang around. I mean, Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if it's a – remotely competitive game on some level uh, now here's the thing charlotte's defense is the reason i say that because they've allowed they've allowed uh fewer than 300 yards in two in three different games this year they allowed 144 yards of total offense against middle tennessee which i don't i don't know Stock much still about, i don't know much about mtsu this year but they're usually pretty solid um and then they've only allowed 400 yards twice all year so tennessee i don't think is likely to put up a ton of yards and points in this game but this we'll, is also we'll this is also a team that lost to appalachian state handily it is couldn't beat umass they've uh, had a turnover in every game at least so they even though yeah. they have a good turnover margin they've had they've at least made mistakes in every game so it's a game tennessee should win let's face it yeah. very, very last thing before we play this music and get on out of here guys we're inside that four game window now for red shirt players and i know pruda's already kind of sort of addressed this but do we think now with that rule change that there are any guys that we might see that we have not seen so far in the final four games. No, Pruitt's been asked about that back-to-back weeks. We on, have to mention because we're inside that window. Yeah, and I, I don't think. I mean, based on his answer, he made it pretty clear that you know anybody. First of all, he doesn't think they have enough depth 
to have not played anybody that they think could have helped them. Uh, that's the main thing. But I do think they have some they have some guys that have played one, two, and three games so far. J.J. Peterson, obviously, uh, yeah. chief among them that's only played in one game so far, that they have some interesting decisions to make down the stretch on how to handle them. Do they want to play J.J. Peterson in just four games exactly? And, and so that means he's got to sit out one of these last four games uh, and you can play him in three more. Or does that mean you can uh, – are you not worried about that? You just play him five, five down the stretch, and it, who cares? If you're if you're blowing out Charlotte, what about JT Shroud? Well, that, those are the two guys I was going to mention. It, it, Peterson's with the scout team all week at outside linebacker. They've not been giving him reps, and that's that's to me telling because they've gotten just about next to nothing from their outside linebackers other than what DeAndre Johnson did coming off the bench since Jonathan Conway went down. Conditioning still needs some work, too. He hasn't yeah. quite caught and, up. And in so there. if he's going to play, it's going to be on special teams. They're not going to let him – they're not going to put him in on defense. They really shortened their rotations defensively last week. I think week. Austin Smith caught some one reps at the, at the other outside linebacker position this week when I saw it, by the way. Interesting. Uh, well, they've been working four guys there, but Jordan Allen only played two snaps on defense, I think, mm-hmm. and neither of them went very well. Um, yeah. And DeAndre Johnson again. People were always wondering why is Kongbo playing. I think you're kind of seeing why. The guys behind him aren't exactly lighting the world on fire either. So that's why he was playing so much. But, uh, yeah, Peterson's one. I mean, if we're, we're going to see him, it's going to be on special teams. And then Shroud's the other because when I asked Pruitt about it on Wednesday, he was like, yeah, we're getting ready to play. And I'm like, they're not going to uh, – unless there's an injury, I don't, I don't think they're going to give three quarterbacks. You don't really see that a whole lot. So A, a couple of interesting things to me about this game. You mentioned guys like Jordan Allen. Do we see more of those types of guys in this game? Does anyone like that that's, you know, who's played but hasn't done a whole lot so far, do they get a chance to, to play? Because Allen's – he's already redshirted. He can't – you know, there's no benefit to sitting him out or anything. Do you see anyone like that get a little more play if they take care of business in this game? And then do we see Jeremy Banks get some playing time back at running back because it, it, they're banged up? If Ty Chandler can't go, then, yeah, I think you could see Banks. Um, but, again, it just depends on the how the game goes. Uh, they they really shorten their defensive rotations against South Carolina, so I wonder if they're going to try to get some guys. we got to figure out what they're going to do at safety. Uh, we could see Theo Jackson back there next to Nigel Weird. The Todd Kelly Jr. thing didn't go so great. Um he, he kind of looked like he had. He was in the right place most of the time, but a couple times he just got run right by. He's, yeah. he's struggled. He, I mean, he is what he is at this point. Uh, they really need Mike Abernathy and Trayvon Flowers back. I don't think that's going to happen this week. I don't we, know. Haven't, we haven't seen Abernathy do anything all week. Crazy to think that the guy that most people ripped on defensively for so much of the season, Mike Abernathy, might be the key to this team. Well, that's, being that's good just, enough on defense to make a bowl game. That's another lesson in, you know, a guy might be playing bad, and, and the assumption always is that his backup is better, and that's clearly not always the right assumption. These coaches, as, as you've said, Wes, they see these guys every day. They've seen these guys every day since August. They know who the best players are, and that's who they're going to play because their jobs uh, and livelihoods depend on it. Yeah, this staff isn't playing favorites. Yeah, I mean, there's none, there's none of that. They're not playing him because he's a senior or any of this stuff. Um, they're playing him because he's given their best yeah, chance to win. Not so, a sentimental bunch. And so, um, you know, it's the same reason we're seeing Darren Kirkland play so much. The other linebackers aren't playing that great either. I mean, that's just, that's just the reality of, of the situation. So, but – yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think we'll see Shroud, and if we see Peterson, I think it'll just be on special teams. But that's just my hunch. I think that's a fair place to leave it, guys. Thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, hopefully, I'll be feeling a little bit better next week and be a little more lively. But uh, we got the information to you. These other two guys in here, they came to play today, so everything is good. Uh, thanks for listening. We, you, you want to get our stuff all the time, guys? You can go to GoVols247.com. 
get all the information there. You can go to facebook.com slash govals247, twitter.com slash govals247. I'm on Twitter at westrucker 247 Patrick's on Twitter at pbrown247. Ryan is Ryan Callahan 24-7. And Patrick, or Grant Ramey, is Grant Ramey because he doesn't want to have the 24-7 next to his name because he is not a team player. So we'll go back to doing the Grant's Gun Show question of the week next week. If he decides to show up for a podcast, which he's batting about 10% on lately. Thanks, Grant. Slider. Pat, any final thoughts? Nope.